0: Happy Sabbath, happy Sabbath. Okay. Well, it's the first of the month, Connection Sabbath. For those of you that are visiting or that are new, you might know that Connection Sabbath is very special because it's the Sabbath that we encourage everybody to eat together, to spend time together, spend time with your family, with your friends. Because of that, after service... We have a potluck that we invite everybody to go to. And the food is amazing. It's better than whatever you have at home. So you should, you should go there. And we break up into small groups, and we spend time together, and we study the Bible, and it's, it's a great time. So I encourage you all to go. The second thing that happens on Connection Sabbath is my personal favorite, and it's that I get to preach. And so I'm, uh, I'm here with you guys this Connection Sabbath, and I'm really excited to be here to share the word with you. But before we hop into it, let's have a word of prayer. Lord, I'm so grateful that you brought us all here to study your word, to learn and to grow. And so I ask now that you listen to Mozart's prayer and you take away anything that is not of you. Just leave whatever you have to say. Speak to these people. Add things that weren't there before and take away whatever needs to be taken away and just really take over right now, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, everybody. So, a show of hands. Who was here for the Bantu History Night? Or the Black History Night, or whatever you want to call it? Yeah, who was here for that? You know, there's some of you that I saw that aren't raising your hands. I saw that. I saw you, and you're not raising your hands. But that's fine. I forgive you. Point is, if you were here... You uh, were probably subject to many highlight performances. You saw Pastor Rose sing his song, and you actually saw him with his hair. It was incredible. He left at a home today, but he, <laughs> <laughs> but he has it. Um, and even though Pastor Rose is my senior pastor and I love him, I have to admit that that was not my favorite performance of the night. That was my... That was my That was my second favorite performance. My first, my favorite performance was, I don't know if he's here. He was here first service. I don't know where he is, but was Carlo. Carlo. (laughs) She she knows what I'm talking about. Carlos. So how many of you have heard that Boney M song called Rivers, Rivers of Babylon? Have you heard that song? Yeah? Okay. Well, I know Boney M. I love Boney M. They sing the Rasputin song, which I love. If you ever heard that song, it's, that's bony up. But they sing another song that I hadn't heard before, and it was the Rivers of Babylon. And so I'm sitting there listening to all these people sing, and Carlos walks up, and this song starts playing, and he starts dancing. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, because he was good. <laughs> it was like, he was really good, and he was into it. And I'm like, whoa, like, you know, I start dancing, too, and, and I'm enjoying the song. And as I'm listening to the song, you know, you know once you're a pastor, guys, it just sticks, man. You never, you, you never clock out as a pastor, you know? So I'm listening to the song, like, yeah, yeah, and I'm like, wait a minute. This is a scripture song. The lyrics in the song are from the Bible. The whole song is from the Bible. And so I'm listening, and I'm like, whoa, 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 this is a scripture song. And so I go home, and I'm thinking about that song literally all week, okay? It is burrowed in my ear, that song. And as I'm thinking about it, then I have to go to Orlando for some training or whatever. I run into some family there, and the friend that I'm talking with, he, he brings up that song for no reason. Like I, I didn't even, He just brought it up. He's like, yeah, you ever heard that Babylon song? I'm like, yes. <laughs> I was listening to it in the car all the way here. <laughs> and I'm like, man, and it's just stuck in my brain. And eventually I'm like, no, 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 I have to look this up. It's going to kill me. So I go on Google, every theologian's best friend, and I look up where this, where this song is found in the Bible. Like, what's going on? And I find out that the song, or at least part of the song, is, comes from a song. Psalm 137. And as I read the psalm, I was like, okay, this is interesting. And we're going to read the psalm today. We're going to go over the psalm. Um, And it occurred to me that the psalm is perfect for Christians who are going through trial. The psalm is perfect. The psalm is split into three parts. And these three parts correlate to the different stages that we go through. When we, uh, when we handle tribulation. So that's, that's what we're going to go through today. But before we get into that, we're going to read the psalm and we're going to continue. So let's read the psalm. Verse 1, it says, By the waters of Babylon, there we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. This part is in the psalm. On the willows there, we hung up our lyres, For there, our captors required of us a song. And our tormentors... Mirth, mirth means happily. Mirth saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. Let my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth. If I do not remember you, if I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy. Now, these next few verses, this is when it gets a little dicey. (laughs) So this part is not in the song, and you'll see why soon enough. But uh, yeah, verse 7, it says, Remember, O Lord, against the Edomites the day of Jerusalem, how they said, Lay it bare, lay it bare down to its foundations. O daughter of Babylon, doomed to be destroyed, Blessed shall he be who repays you with what you have done to us. That's not where it, not where it ends. <laughs> Blessed shall he be who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rock. That part is not in the song. Spoiler alert. Um, and you can probably imagine why. <laughs> I don't think that that would sell very well among audiences. But... It's important to read it and it's important to talk about it because as Christians we need to be honest about what the Bible says. We cannot gloss over the parts of the Bible that make us uncomfortable. We can't do that. That's dishonest. And so that's why we're going to talk about that too. But we're going to take things one step at a time. And I'm going to start with the context of this verse. What is the, or not the verse, the psalm. What is the context of the psalm? Why was it written? Who wrote it? When was it written? So I'm going to ask you a question, which some of you might know. Who wrote the psalms? David. Okay. Well, that was a trick question because (laughs) that's not exactly true. So if you said David, you were kind of wrong. Mostly right, but kind of wrong. About half of the Psalms were written by David. Confirmed, confirmed. About half of the Psalms were written by David. We say the Psalms of David because David wrote most of them. But um, they're not all written by David. That's one. In the Psalms, there are about, forget the exact number now, it's like three or two that are, that are anonymous. We actually don't know who wrote them. And this one is one of those. Interesting that this Psalm is anonymous. Now, some people have different beliefs about it. Some people believe that it was David and that he received a prophetic vision and that he wrote it down. Other people believe that it was Jeremiah who wrote it. Other people believe that it was you know, uh, the, the Maccabean Jews who came out of Babylon, all, all that kind of stuff. The point is, indisputably, in the Psalm, we can tell that it has to do with the exile, right? It has to do with the Jews who were captured by Babylon. When the Babylonians came and they destroyed Jerusalem, they destroyed everything and they took them captive. And that much we do know. And so that's what we're gonna stick to here. And so when we talk about the themes of this song and as we apply it to our lives, I want you to remember what this was written during the time that this was written. Because this was written for people that were suffering. This was written for people that were going through hard trials. This song was written in probably the darkest moments of some people's lives. Can you imagine if you were at home, somebody came, they killed all your friends, they took your family captive, they enslaved you, they destroyed your house. It's pretty depressing, isn't it? Yes. So this is when the song was written. And so now, in this psalm, I found three sections. And each section has a different, uh, I guess, moment for us Christians to go through. And we're going to break that down. That's going to be the sermon. And it says, the first section, verses 1, 2, 3, is the mourning section. And I don't mean mourning as in the sun rises. I mean mourning as in grieving. Right? That's the part where they grieve. The second part, verses 4 through 6, is the prayer They cry out to the Lord, so they mourn, then they cry out. And the last part, verses seven through nine, is the victory, the victory, the assured victory. And I'm here to tell you today that this cycle of mourning, praying, and victory is found everywhere in the Bible. And every time God's people go through some tribulation, this is what they go through, mourning, prayer, and victory. And there's a book in the Bible that highlights this perfectly. And that book is the book of Esther. So today, I'm going to compare this psalm to the book of Esther and hopefully, uh, you know, take some lessons out of that. So the first thing we're going to start with are the verses 1 to 3, the morning section of the psalm. So let's reread this section so that we all have it in our minds. It says, by the waters of Babylon, there we sat down. And I don't know if Carlos is here, he might be dancing, so I don't want to say it too. (laughs) There we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows there we hung up our lyres, for there our captors required of us songs, and our tormentors, mirth, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. And the reason why this part is important is because as Christians, we have to remember it is okay to be sad. It is okay to be sad it's okay to not be okay. Too many Christians have been harmed by the idea that we need to always be happy. Too many Christians have been harmed by that. And this is biblical. This is a biblical concept. God's people throughout time have mourned, have wept, and have grieved. Jesus himself wept. So don't let anyone tell you that that's not okay. Too many Christians have been hurt by that. And we're going to read the story of Esther. We're going to see how this was uh, exemplified in, in this story. So we're going to start reading Esther chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. And the reason we're starting here is so that we all have the context of what's going on. Why? why what is the story of Esther? And it says, Then the king's scribes were summoned on the thirteenth day of the first month and an edict according to all that Haman commanded. Was written. I'm going to pause here for those of you that might not have read the story. Haman was an interesting fellow. Haman was the bad guy of the story. And last sermon, I mean, it's funny that Mozart prayed it because it it happened. You guys are going to get more than the last guys did because last time um, it was Lyndon who actually pointed out to me, I hadn't never really made the connection, that Haman. The reason why he hated the Jews so bad is because he descended from King Agog. And for those of you that might not know, King Agog was a pagan king who was executed by Saul. And Saul was the king of the Israelites at that time. And so Haman had a vendetta against the Jews. He did not like them. So he did this. He went to the king. And he paid the king. I forget the number now, but you can read it. It's a few verses above. He paid the king money, silver, out of his own pocket when the king was drunk. And he said, look, these Jews, they're traitorous. They're evil. They're going to ruin the kingdom. I'm going to pay you to allow me to make a law to kill the Jews. That's what happened. That's what was happening. And so it says there, according to all that Haman commanded was written... To the, and Then we can move on to the next verse. The king's satraps, satraps were like governors and you know, officials. And to the governors all over all the provinces and to the officials of all the peoples, to every province in its own script and every people in its own language, it was written in the name of King Azaharas and sealed with the king's signet ring. Now I'm going to pause here because some of us might not know how serious lawmaking was in Persia. Did you know that in Persia, if you were a lawmaker, if you created a law and somebody found a loophole, you would be executed? That's how serious lawmaking was in Persia. They did not mess around with their courts. That's what made Persia so great. They had an efficient law system. Now, the Persians also had another problem. That when the king signed an edict with his ring, He couldn't take it back. The king himself could not take it back. So if he signed something with his ring, it was game over. And the king, being drunk, he let Haman do this in his name. And Haman created an edict with his ring. And this is what the edict was. It says, letters were sent by couriers to all the king's provinces with instruction to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate. Destroy wasn't enough. So they needed to say kill and annihilate. All Jews, young and old, women, and what else? Children. Children. In one day, the the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month of Adar. And not only were they going to kill them and destroy them all, they were going to plunder everything they had. (laughs) And so now I want to ask you a question. What is the Haman in your life? What is the Haman in your life? What is destroying you? What is hurting you? Your, your, God, your walk with God, your walk with your family, whatever. What is the Haman in your life? We're going to start there. It's important to remember that. It's important to remember that. What is our Haman? And you know, the, the Jews, they were, in a, they were in a tight spot, huh? Yeah. You, <laughs> that's the, Pastor Mike you got guys Pastor Mike he's he's, uh, he's 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 Jewish and he's he's very proud of it so that's that's why you heard him yell out but um but uh the yeah the the Jews were in a tight spot you know and when you compare that to what we're doing today it's not too big a deal right suddenly the car payments don't seem like that big a deal right when when faced with annihilation but the Jews were going through something really 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 tough And we're going to examine their reaction, and if they can do it with what they were going through, we can do it with what we're going through, right? So let's read a little forward. Read Esther chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. And it says, when Mordecai learned all that had been done. Now, for those of you that haven't read the story, Mordecai was the cousin, last sermon I said uncle, my bad, was the cousin and the guardian of Queen Esther. Esther because the queen is, Esther is the lady that the book is named after. Esther was the queen at the time, and she was a Jew, but nobody knew it. And Mordecai was her cousin, and the one who, who guarded her, her guardian. And he says, when Mordecai learned all that had been done, Mordecai tore his clothes and put sackcloth and ashes on himself. And he went into the middle of the city, and he cried out with a loud and bitter cry. He went up to the entrance of the king's gate because no one else was allowed to enter the king's gate clothed in sackcloth. And in every province, wherever the king's command and his decree reached, there was great mourning among the Jews. And there's a word there that I want to talk about. Mourning. Mourning. Guys, it's okay to mourn. That's what the Jews did. They mourned. They heard this and they mourned. We move forward. Not only did they mourn, it says they fasted and weeping and lamenting, and many of them lay in sackcloth and ashes. That's what the people did, guys. Now, I'm not saying that when something goes wrong, you should walk around in sackcloth and ashes. Okay? That's a a cultural thing. You don't have to do that. But that's how they expressed their grief. That's how they express their grief. Guys, crying for us today is important. Did you know that when you cry, your your body will actually release endorphins and oxytocin, chemicals that heal. They heal, they help with physical pain and emotional pain. Do not neglect crying. Do not let anyone say, you know, when you're sad, say, oh no, but you're a daughter of God. You're a daughter of God, you have to be happy. No, they say, Jesus wept. You leave me alone. (laughs) Jesus wept. I'm going to go cry. Okay? The good news is that as Christians, we don't stop at the weeping, right? We don't stop at the weeping. And that's what we're going to move forward to now. Let's read Psalm 137, 4 through 6. Because now we know that they were weeping. But from the weeping, they do something very interesting. So Psalm 137, I said 134, 137 uh, verses 4 through 6. They're crying, and then they ask probably the most important question that a Christian can ask today. They ask, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. Let my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you. If I do not set Jerusalem above or below, what does it say? above my highest joy. For those of you biblical scholars, that's, that's a chiastic structure right there, in case you didn't notice. I'm not going to get into that. We're going to be here all day. But If you're a biblical scholar, you know what I'm talking about. Chiastic structure. Look that up. But yeah. For Christians today, let me, let, me ask, let me just say this. If you survived COVID, if you're a Christian this day, the most important question that we need to ask ourselves is how do we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land. Because we live in stranger times. You know, I looked it up. You guys know who the Barna Group is? Okay, the Barna Group, they're, they're basically a company, and they, they do studies on, on, they do church studies on people and all these things. And there's something interesting. There's a statement here that says, before COVID-19, the majority of church attendance happened in person. Today, that's only true for about half, of churched adults, half. We went from almost 90-something percent to half. How do we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? How do we minister to the people that are not coming to church? They're not the only one. Here I have Gen Z stats, and every time I say Gen Z, people, the older people, they shudder, oh, Gen Z. But Let me tell you, I'm Gen Z. Ah, you didn't know that, did you? I'm Gen Z. I know, I'm 24 years old, born 1999. I'm the first, the first one of Gen Z, that's me. Yeah, I'm Gen Z. So I looked up some stats about my own people. And it says, you know, it's funny because last night, last night we had like a youth rap session. And the youth, they were talking to us. It was me, Nick, and Joey was there too and he and they look at us and they're like, "Well, for you adults, like what what, what you know what do you think about this situation?" And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, "Adults? <laughs> Are you joking?" So it's like he's like, "For what do you think you adult?" I'm like, "Don't listen to me, man. <laughs> don't don't do that, man. Trust me. I'm figuring it out." <laughs> but here's a, here's a, here's something interesting some Gen Z stats. 29% of non-Christian teens say that the problem of evil is what keeps them away from the church. Okay? 20% say that science just refutes too much of the Bible. And before you stop there and you think, oh, 20% is not that bad, alrighty. 37% of engaged Christian youth, these are youth that are in the church and that are, are engaged, 37% of them say, and 53% of youth that just attend church, They say that Christians tend to deny science too much. There seems to be a lot of contradictions between the Bible and science. Those are the questions that we're asking. That's what we're asking. The times have changed, guys. And so I'm asking you, how do we minister? How do we sing the Lord's song in this foreign land? That's what we're at. 61% of Christian teens say that they find God elsewhere. Elsewhere means outside of the church. Yes. 64% of not Christian teens, teens, they say church is not relevant to them. How do we make ourselves relevant? That's the question. We can't knock them. We can't say, oh, there's something wrong with them. No, we have to figure out how we can be relevant to the world. That's our job. How do we sing the Lord's song? in this foreign land This one's fun Gen Z's top 5 most important things in their life. Can you guess? Go ahead, guess. Graduation? Huh? Video games, internet. V- video games, internet. <laughs> Ouch, huh? Phones. Jesus. <laughs> Social media. You guys, man, you guys are more practical than the last group. The, the last group was like, oh, family. <laughs> you, guys, you guys were like, nah, <laughs> Gen Z sucks. <laughs> nah, come on, guys. Come on. Don't do me like that. This is me you're talking about. It says, well, unfortunately, you were, you were kind of right. <laughs> so, the most important thing to a Gen Z is their professional slash educational career. So, Brianna was right. Yes graduation or whatever, that's the most important thing. The second most important thing to the Gen Z's, and of course this isn't for all Gen Z's, if you're a Gen Z, please don't be offended, I'm not offended, okay, I'm Gen Z, we're all friends here, <laughs> well, but this is what most of us said, okay? The second most important thing to them was their hobbies. The third most important thing was their gender and sexuality. The fourth most important thing was their group of friends. And the fifth most important thing was family. Okay, okay, okay. So we hear that and we go like, whoa, like, you know, what's wrong with them? No, guys. You see, we're thinking wrong. That's not the question. The question is not what's wrong with them. The question is, what's wrong with us? Look, I'm going to blame this on you guys. You guys raised us. (laughs) (laughs) You raised us. (laughs) We ought to look in the mirror. (laughs) He raised us. But outside of that, the real question is, how do we minister to them? When I wake up in the morning, I'm thinking, how do I minister to my friends? What do they want to hear from God? What do they want to hear from God? That is our job. And now the other part of the verse, of of these three verses, that are equally as important, because it takes maturity, it says, the next part is, we need perspective. In order to minister to people correctly, we need perspective. And if you are in the middle of a trial, you need some... Hello. (laughs) Hello? Oh, Some... You, I was in the flow, I was like, "Whoa, it, in the middle of the trial, you need some perspective. Listen to what it says. It says, "Do not allow me to forget Jerusalem." Guys, we can't forget what we're here to do. We can't forget our purposes. If you're a good singer, like all these kids were today, right? Were they not good singers? If you're a good singer, you're doing it because God let you do it. If you're a good administrator, it's because God gave you that talent. If you're a good preacher, God gave you that talent. It's true, it's true, Melissa. Yeah? Everything that we have is owed to God. All of our verses, all the things that we do, everything that we live, every breath we take, it's because of God, and it's for God. That is what it is about. That is what it's about. So when we're struggling, we don't have to think, why is this happening to me? We have to think, how do I complete my purpose in the middle of this? That's what we have to think. That's what we have to think. We need perspective. What is your goal? There is a verse in the Bible. It's from my favorite book, which is Proverbs. And it says in Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16. It says, For the righteous falls Seven times and rises again. But the wicked stumble in times of calamity. So I'm going to ask you a question. What is the difference between a righteous man and a wicked man? Huh? The righteous gets up. The righteous gets up. When we have God, we can get up. We can get up. We don't have to stay down. Why? Because we have perspective. We know why we're living. We're not living for the car. We're not living for the house. If they take the house, okay, but I have God. That's what we're living for. How do we sing the Lord's song in the middle of this? And the people of of, uh, the, the Jews at the time, they understood this. They still do. They still do. They understood this. We're going to read the book of Esther, chapter 4, verses 12 to 15. This is when Mordecai talks to Esther. Mordecai had sent messages to Esther who said, you need to talk to the king or else we're going to die. And Esther responded to him saying, but if I go to the king, he might kill me. Because back then, you couldn't go to the king without him summoning you. So she said, I can't do it. Mordecai said, oh yeah, you can't do it, huh? And listen to what he said to her. And this is a message for us today. Okay, Esther chapter 4. Verses 12 to 15. And they told Mordecai what Esther had said. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther. He said, do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. (laughs) But he didn't finish there. For if you keep silent at this time. Listen to this, guys. This is my favorite part. Relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house, you will perish. And he doesn't finish there. Who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for a time such as this? What did he do? He gave her perspective. Maybe Esther was too comfortable getting her nails painted. Maybe she liked the little rose water. That the eunuchs were dipping all over her and she forgot that she was a Jew. Never. And so I ask you today could we be so comfortable yes. we forget we are Christians? Yes. Is that not possible? Let me tell you today in the US, a Christian in the US, talking about the US, okay guys, we are not facing some lethal persecution. That's not what we have to worry about. We are not <laughs> facing. People walking down the streets looking to kill us because we worship God. That's not what it is. The most dangerous thing for us today is complacency. It's getting comfortable. We get comfortable with our suits and our shirts and our jeans. And we come to this pretty church. And we do that week after week. But the community is dying. We need perspective. We are not here for the building. And if we have to sell the building to bring people to Christ, we do it. That is perspective. That is the perspective, guys, that we need. That's what Mordecai reminded Esther about. He said, You're a Jew. And I love the faith that he had. He said, God will save us, with or without you. Guys, God will work with or without us. God will work with or without us. That's true. It's a privilege to work. He does not need us, it's a privilege. And thankfully, Esther listened, and it brings us to the last part of this, which is the winning. The winning. We mourned, we prayed, and we win because we have the Lord on our side. So we're going to read verses 137, 7 through 9. And yes, it gets dark, but we have to remember what the people wanted to do to the Jews at the time. We have to remember that. This is the context of which they were living. It says, remember, O Lord, against the Edomites, the day of Jerusalem, how they said, lay it bare, lay it bare down to its foundations. O daughter of Babylon, doomed to be destroyed, blessed shall he be who repays you with what you have done to us. Blessed shall he be who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rock. And that's dark, and I'm not asking. I'm not saying that this is something necessarily that we should be happy about. But remember what Haman said before. What did Haman want to do? Did he want to kill just the men? No. He was going to kill the kids too. Those were the stakes you were playing with back then. There was no Geneva Convention, guys. Okay? There was no World Peace Corps or whatever. That didn't exist. United Nations? That's a joke. <laughs> oh, man. That's a joke. The point is, Guys, back then, this is how it was done. And so when this writer talks about this, to us it's dark. But you have to understand that to them, it was justice. To them, it was victory. He says, you know what? Yes, they heard us and they laughed at us. And they mocked us saying, sing your songs of Zion. But you know what? I will not forget the Lord. I will not forget Jerusalem. And I know that we will win. That's the prayer that he's singing here. When G- guys, when Jesus said, it is finished, he wasn't joking. The victory is won. The victory is won. If you accepted Jesus Christ, guys, you are saved. You are saved. And from then on, it's sanctification. We're talking about it today, right, Rupert? We're talking about it today in the baptismal studies. Sanctification happens after you're saved. Right, you, live a, you try to live a better life. You, you live according to God's principles. But the salvation came first. You are saved, my friends. You are saved. If you accept Jesus Christ, you are saved. And all the tribulations, all the Hamans in your life, all the Babylons in your life, all of those people, the, well, not people, but all those evil things, it passes away. It passes away. And I want to be very careful here. I want to be very careful here. I'm not saying that we have to point to other people and say, look, Babylon, Babylon, <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that, be very careful, because you might, you might find yourself on the wrong side of the finger. Yes. Don't point at other people, oh, Babylon, no. No, no, no. Remember guys, perspective. Who's the real bad guy? The devil. He's the one that tempts us. He's the one that causes these horrible things, the wars, all these horrible things. He's the one that does that. But guys, he is defeated. And he has no power over you that you do not give him. Okay? Don't allow him to do that. And so let's read the book of Esther so that we we have an understanding of what happened. And uh, I'm, uh, I'm I'm not going to tell you what the plan was. I want you to go home and check out for yourself what did Mordecai do. But I'm not going to tell you what it was. But this is the result. It says... Esther chapter 9, verse 1, it says, Now in the twelfth month of Adar, which is, well, in the twelfth month, which is the month of Adar, on the thirteenth day of the same, when the king's command and edict were about to be carried out, on the very day when the enemies of the Jews hoped to gain mastery over them, the reverse occurred. The Jews gained mastery over those who hated them. Whoa. The Jews gathered. Oh. Yeah, the Jews gathered in their cities throughout all the provinces of King Ezra Harris to lay hands on those who sought their harm. And no one could stand against them for the fear of them had fallen on all the people. Guys, when we have God on our side, when we proclaim that the devil has to run, the devil has to run. Jesus came and he casted out demons and it wasn't just him. He said, you will do the same. You do not need to be afraid of what the devil has to throw of you. You do not need to be shaken by what life gives you. Because we have a God that is in control. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. And so this Babylon that we keep hearing about in, in, in Psalm 137, this Babylon. Babylon, the evil Babylon. Throughout the Bible, it has been used to represent the devil, evil, you know, in general, bad things. You know, the Bible says something about Babylon. Do you know that? Beyond that, it says something about Babylon. Let's read Revelation chapter 18, verses 1 through 6. This is what it says about Babylon. It says, After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory. And he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon, the great. She has become a dwelling place. For demons, a hunt for every unclean spirit, a hunt for every unclean bird, a hunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her. And the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. But this one, this next part is for us. It says, then I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, Lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. For her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back as she herself has paid back others, and repay her double for her deeds. Mix a double portion for her in the cup she mixed. And right here, do you guys see the connection between this verse and the Old Testament Psalms? You see, there are those that say that God changed, but God didn't change. Because this is talking about the future. And to some of us, it might be scary. But I'm here to tell you that if you accepted Christ, you don't have to worry about that. That's not your business. Because what the Bible is reminding us, hey, don't get too comfortable in Babylon. Guys, don't get too comfortable in Babylon. This is going to pass away. Don't worry about it. This is going to pass away. Focus on the future. Focus on our purpose. Focus on that perspective. Because the Bible doesn't end there. It doesn't end on this scary thing. The Bible says something else in Revelation 21, chapter 4 through 5. It says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be what? No more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And this is and this is this part gives me goosebumps. And he who was seated on the throne, you guys can probably guess who that is, right? Yeah. God (laughs) said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. Guys, this 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 book of Revelation is not here to scare people. It's not here to... to, to, I'm I'm not here to tell you, you're going to die. No. That's not what it's about. The book of Revelation is to give us hope. The people who have accepted God, the people who love Jesus Christ, when they go through troubles, when we go through things, we have that perspective. That's what Revelation is for. To say, you know what? There is a God that has it in control. And there is a victory in His name. And my only concern is to figure out how I can sing his song in this strange land. Thank you, guys. So, you know, um, before, we, before we have a word of prayer and have the people come up and sing, I'd like to remind you guys, uh, we do have the potluck here afterwards, okay? I want to see you guys there. I'm going to be there. And, um, and we also have the blood drive outside, okay? So, if you are able to donate blood, please do that. They're in real need of it, and we want to, you know, we'll plantation to put a good foot forward for them. So if you can, let's go ahead and do that. But um, as they come up to pray or to sing, let's, let's have a prayer. Lord, thank you so much because you are in control. Thank you because through the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, we are redeemed. And we don't have to listen to the accusations of the devil. We don't have to listen to the the voices that tell us that we're not enough because we know that you are enough. Thank you so much for the things that you do. Thank you for holding our lives in our hands, Lord. And we just can't wait to spend eternity with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This podcast was brought to you by Plantation's Seven day Adventist Church, a Christ-centered congregation dedicated to spreading the good news of God's love through sermons, deeper dive conversations, and much more. If you would like to listen to more life lessons and inspirational content, please visit us at plantationsda.tv.